So you said anything that's in Dewey is nonfiction. So including the biographies of Moonlight. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. The question. I'm that, yeah, I'm that person. Just to clarify. Welcome to Keep It Fictional, a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. Build your to-be-read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Kareen from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning. This podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Keep It Fictional. Today, uh, we are going to be talking all about LGBTQIA plus reads. It is our Pride Month episode, and I am very, very excited about this topic. I think it's a really great thing to read about and definitely lots of the books that I love fall into this category. However, it can also be a bit of a difficult topic. Uh, And today I wanted to highlight why um, I think it's really important to read books from LGBTQ authors uh, and about these topics because it's not just that there are great authors out there and there's all sorts of wonderful uh, reads. It's also a chance to educate ourselves, put ourselves in someone else's shoes and really become aware of the difficulties that the community faces. Um, So I wanted to just talk about a couple, a few stats um, that some people might find quite upsetting. So so just to let you know, um, you know, we're here to celebrate Pride, um, but I also want to draw attention to why we, why we have Pride, why it's important for us to be open and accepting uh, the queer community. Currently, being gay is criminalized in 72 countries around the world. And currently in eight of those countries, they actually have the death penalty for homosexuality. Though it may be improving in our country legally, we're not living in a world where it's safe to be gay. I also want to draw attention to how LGBTQ plus people are disproportionately affected by mental health issues. In particular, trans people are very disproportionately affected and uh, up to 40 percent of transgender people in the U.S. uh, have attempted suicide. We also know that they are affected by hate crimes and that uh, within the community, uh, many have been murdered. Being LGBTQ plus also affects uh, one's access to health care. And when we consider overlapping and intersectional identities, the queer uh, BIPOC people are especially hard hit. And again, I don't bring all of this up to be, to be, to lower the mood. It's just, it's why we need to celebrate. It's why we need to fight for the queer community and support them and stand behind them. Even as part of the queer community, for me, reading is a huge part of that. Supporting those authors and educating myself about identities outside of my own identity. So I'm so excited today to talk about books that celebrate the LGBTQ plus community and also that give us a chance to hear their stories and in some cases, 
the difficulties uh, that come along with those identities. So I can't wait to hear uh, from Liz's pick because this one has been on my reading list forever. I currently have it on my phone um, and I'm hoping this will get me pumped to actually uh, read it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Fiona, for a wonderful introduction and uh, happy Pride, everybody. Thanks for joining us today for this very important and hopefully entertaining episode for you today. This is a book um, that I picked up as an audiobook, actually. And I thought, oh, well, it's only four hours and it, it sounds really, really interesting, really fantastic. Kind of out of the box for what I normally read, um, not because the author is trans, but because it sort of takes on this magical realism slash bordering on surrealist type of a story that happens to be kind of a memoir, but kind of not. Anyways, Without further ado, this one is called Fierce Femmes and Notorious Liars, A Dangerous Trans Girl's Confabulous Memoir. Okay, I think I got all of the words. Now, this book is by Kai Cheng Tom. Uh, she is a wonderful speaker. Uh, she has a background in social work and counseling. She's also an author, not just of this book, uh, but also of poetry and children's books too. So she's done a lot of great work uh, in the literary sphere and also for her community. She is Canadian. And the audiobook was narrated by Adri Almeida. Uh, and she is described as a brown femme. So I love the representation right there. Two fabulous trans women who are also people of color and coming together to tell this confabulous story. So it says it's a dangerous trans girl's confabulous memoir, and it's not an entirely traditional memoir, not at all, especially not when we're talking about work that is a bit surrealist. That being said, it, it really interweaves a lot of things that had gone on uh, in Kai Chang Tom's life as a BIPOC trans woman but tells it in a way that allows her to own her narrative and to tell the type of story that she wants to tell. So in this book, we follow an unnamed transgendered woman. Uh, she is still quite young, I'd say still within her teens, and she leaves her family behind from the city of Gloom. She leaves on a bus uh, and she is headed for the city of Smoke, and light, and more specifically, the Street of Miracles. Now, she has come to hear of the Street of Miracles as a place um, where trans females congregate and work uh, and have formed a community that uh, is very accepting. So she arrives at the Street of Miracles. She is taken in as a young one by older trans women and she forms friendships with them. Um, she gets to know them on a human level and um, she finds that she can start to explore more of who she actually is and to be her true self alongside these women. So the Street of Miracles is a place within the city of Smoke and Light where the main occupation is within the field of sex work. So this is another thing that binds all of these women together. As such, though, they all face a lot of dangers, not only as trans women, but also as sex workers. Um, and one day, uh, one of their pack, one of their group, is killed by a man. 
However, rather than fretting and worrying themselves, they decide to take matters into their own hands. And they form a gang called the Lipstick Lacerators. Now, they are tough. They, they don't take any back talk, any sass, but it kind of goes a bit far. And in the story, we kind of, we kind of uh, push the envelope in terms of, you know, standing up for oneself, but also consequences for um, maybe taking a violent approach to standing up for oneself. Our unnamed narrator, she is a Kung Fu expert, conveniently enough. So she fits right in with the lipstick lacerators um, and they've definitely made a name for themselves. So this has gone, uh, word has gone out beyond the street of miracles that, hey guys, if you're gonna be a jerk, you better watch out and don't cross these ladies. Now I'm not gonna tell you what exactly happens to unnamed narrator um, and how this all ends up, but I do wanna highlight that this is a story from Kai Cheng Tom that is um, one of ownership of the story that she wants to tell. So she's taking elements from her life, um, from the trauma that she's faced, from the people that she's met, and she's sort of turned that on her head. She's used metaphors that represent that trauma. For example, uh, the main character has this swarm of bees that live inside her and it's like an anxious horde and it's something that she's had to contend with uh, ever since she's known that you know she's not able to be who she is back in her hometown of gloom and this has come with her over to the street of miracles so using elements like that and yet in sort of a gritty and very realistic place, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a trip, but it kind of, I feel like it tells her story so beautifully because as she said in interview, she didn't want to have a traditional memoir. Um, she didn't want to have to explain what being trans is, uh, but she wanted to show her story and she wanted to show characters who dare to fight back and attempt to, you know, manifest their own happiness. They're not waiting for, you know, the, the hero to come and save them and make them happy. Uh, in this story, the unnamed narrator, um, she makes her own way and chooses to do things that work best for her. So I really do recommend this one, especially if you're looking for something entertaining, at times funny and short. If you're not really into audiobooks and aren't sure about them, this one's only about four, four hours and change. Do give this one a try. It's Fierce Femmes and Notorious Liars, A Dangerous Trans Girl's Confabulous Memoir. Thank you so much, Liz. Oh, I'm very pumped to read that. Um, and it's nice to have... Um, a book to talk about too that that overlaps with uh, sex work in the trans community. So I think that's an important thing to talk about. I also want to say I don't know if you feel this, but um, I feel like when we talk about a Liz book, you know, we have these these buzzwords, and I want to add genre bending. Do you think that fits? I'm trying to before I answer that, I'm trying to define in my head what is genre, and I mean I I do like to look for things that have that twist that maybe aren't, you know, just this or just that. I do like a lot of intersection of just different elements um, to tell an entirely unique and new story. So maybe? <laughs> All right, I won't coin it. 
<laughs> All right. Um, I'm actually going to talk about uh, uh, the, the next book. <laughs> so I, oh, I had a hard time choosing today. There's so many great books out there. And it's like, do you choose something that, that celebrates being queer or something that educates? And there's like, sounds like Liz picked a great book that does both. So I decided actually today to talk about How to Be Ace, a memoir of growing up asexual by Rebecca Burgess. And this is a graphic novel. And as it says in the title, it's also a memoir. I wanted to highlight it today as a primer for learning about asexuality or are asexual as a chance to see yourself reflected. Um, I really think that graphic novels are fantastic primers. Um, just that foot in the door. And this one is no exception. Uh, what I loved about it is that she talks about her experience of being asexual, but she's really, really persistent about the fact that there's no one way to be asexual. And she acknowledges just the depth of experience and, and of course, the um, spectrum in uh, and, and I am struggling with the correct words because it's not sexuality, but sexualness, uh, how sexual you are. Okay, so this is a memoir and it starts out during her school days where she experiences just a ton of bullying. You know, pointed at her antisocialness, the clothes she wears, just everything about her and the way she doesn't seem to fit. I appreciated how much she took the time to talk about how this affected her self-esteem and overlapped with her mental health. Because as we know, having any sort of queer identity is directly linked to a higher chance of having mental health issues. So um, I think elementary school is the, the hardest part for her. And then when kids start to talk about sex um, and that is what everyone is focused on, she just doesn't get it. She can't understand what the big deal is and why that's the only thing anybody wants to talk about. And it sort of further alienates her. As she grows up, she makes a few more friends, you know, sort of in the nerdy community who, who share interests and she starts to try to date. She's really interested in the boys uh, that she's dating, they're great friends, but she can't understand why there isn't that spark that everyone talks about and why she's not interested in having any sort of sexual or even physical relationship. And she, she starts to have just a, a fear of any physical intimacy that's wrapped up in this, this feeling that it's something she's supposed to do and doesn't want to do. And um, she actually experiences what a lot of asexual people experience is going to a therapist and having them say, oh, you'll get there. You'll want that. You just have to wait. And this really sort of this push from society that says that if you are not a sexual being, there is something wrong with you, which, of course, is absolutely not true. And for her, finding this label, stumbling across it is the first moment she thinks, I'm not broken. Other people are like this. And that seeing that validation is very wonderful as a reader. So uh, it's very educational, but it's great because in the end, Rebecca actually does meet someone, uh, a woman in college, who uh, she falls for in a different way than she ever has with someone else. Her girlfriend is also ace, and they are able to negotiate a healthy and great relationship 
that respects uh, both of their sexualities. And that was really positive, you know, to see a positive representation of a relationship where partners are asexual or one is asexual. Because I think as um, sexual people, uh, sometimes the first question is like, how would that even work? I don't understand. Because we have this ridiculous idea that, that relationships can only be healthy and functional if they are sexual. Again, which is of course a myth uh, and something that's not true for asexual people. It was really great, even though I had some knowledge about asexuality, to see it represented on the page, to see um, this author's story from start to finish. And like I said, it feels like a great primer for me because I wanna go you know, now read about some other experiences that we'll have. And so if you are someone that Maybe this is the first time you've heard of asexuality or you're still not quite sure uh, what that looks like. Definitely pick this up. And if you are an asexual person and you have been dealing with the lack of representation, pick it up just because it will make you feel so good to see someone's story that you can relate with. <laughs> All right. So I have some uh, in the vein of Sadie's uh, Would You Rather, but these are uh, this or that. So I'm going to give you some, some scenarios about books, and you just got to let me know this or that. When it comes to the binding of your book, hardcover or softcover? Hardcover. So quick. <laughs> Anyone feel differently? Hardcover if I'm buying it for my personal collection. Um, softcover for portability. If I'm being straight up honest, trade paperback. I want to, I want to love, I want to love hardcovers. I love hardcovers, but like trade paperback is so much easier to read. Especially if you read in bed and you're kind of like over your head like this, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it makes sense. That's why I don't read in bed because I'm, I'm worried about ruining them. So hardcover gives me that protection. I don't have to worry about like reading it this way so that I don't open and don't crack the spine. So yeah, hardcover. What about you, Fiona? I'm going to echo what Liz said and kind of give like a, like if I'm buying it and, and it's like, it's something I've read and I just like want definitely hardcover. But like, if, if I'm going to take it out from the library and I have a choice between hard and soft cover, definitely soft. And then it's like, it's like a catch 22 because I'm like, great. I can carry this around. It's so light and easy to port, port. It's so portable. Um, and then it, then you end up like ruining the book and you feel so guilty. So I purchased one of these off of Etsy, which is a book protector. So you just take your book and put it inside. If you're like me and a horrible person and just throw stuff into your backpack all the time, then this is padded to protect the book inside. I love that. Excellent solution. All right. I got a couple more. Biography or memoir? Of who? <laughs> Um, okay, let's say, think of somebody in your mind that you, you want to know about, <laughs> and then you go to the library and, and there's a biography and there's a memoir. I feel like Liz should answer this first. Liz definitely has the most experience in this arena. So just to clarify, so you mean like, a, <laughs> like, um. That never easy questions. <laughs> I know, right? Maybe I'm overthinking this. Um, you mean like a... So biography, as in somebody writes something about somebody else versus a memoir or an autobiography? Yes. Yes, that's exactly what I mean. Thank you, Liz. <laughs> written by themselves or written um, 
someone writing about someone else? I mean, autobiography always, unless they're just a terrible writer, but then you can hire people for that. So yeah, although maybe you'd get more dirt if it was like the unauthorized biography. I'm sorry, I'm terrible at this because I sit on the fence too much. <laughs> um, how about you? I, I think, yeah, autobiography every time. I honestly think it depends what time period we're talking about. Are we talking about like a 17th century biography? Because those are boring and dull. And it's much more interesting when you get like the historical context of this person's life and the society that they were living in, which they might not necessarily know if they're kind of like in the middle of it. So depending on the time period that we're talking about, sometimes I prefer a biography that gives a little bit more context to a person's life. But if it's someone contemporary, it's a memoir because I'm more interested in what they have to say versus what someone has to say about what they had to say. See, this is like a very nuanced question. And I think like next time I host, I'll just have to come with a giant list of people who have biographies and autobiographies and I'll make all of you choose each one. Then you have to read them. I love it. I love it. Love a challenge. (laughs) What about you, Virginia? Well, like Sadie mentioned last week, I don't read biographies or memoirs, so I'm not going to (sighs) pick. All right. Well, then this might be easy for you. Um, My last question. If you, for the rest of your life, you can only read fiction or nonfiction, and we're talking things in Dewey are nonfiction, so memoir. um, What do you choose? Fiction or nonfiction? Well, you know my answer, so. Fiction. Everyone else can, like, struggle about that. Do, 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 fiction. Do, do. fiction. Oh. It's fiction. It's fiction. It's fiction. It's fiction. I love nonfiction, but if at the end of the day, like, I guess I read a lot of nonfiction for like instruction purposes. And I feel like I can sometimes get that in other venues, whereas fiction in a book format is just something so special and unique that I don't think I could give it up. All right, Liz, I'm counting on you to be the, the counter argument. So you said anything that's in Dewey is nonfiction. So including the biographies of them. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. The question. I'm that. Yeah, I'm that person. Just to clarify. Um, hmm. Uh, but it's important because yeah, you can get that great narrative from a like from a memoir sometimes. Absolutely. Um, that being said, I don't necessarily want to read about everything in existence or everybody in existence. So I'm going to have to go, even though this is a terrible question that seems like some Twilight Zone episode, but I'm going to say fiction. Wow. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> wow. So Fiona, I'm guessing, are you also fiction? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the voice of dissent and say nonfiction. And it's sort of like a ridiculous thing to say because I actually don't read very much nonfiction when I do. Usually, it's usually memoir. Um, but I just feel like I just, I just sometimes want the hard facts. And when you read a fiction, okay, and when you read a fiction that's maybe like based on something that's true or a specific event, and then if you didn't have the option to then go read about what's actually true, that would drive me insane. You can't read fiction, though, if you choose not fiction. Well, so you wouldn't really know what you're missing. But if I chose fiction, then I wouldn't be able to read about it in nonfiction. So I'm just... Mm-hmm. 
a lot of question lawyering happening uh, this episode. <laughs> All right, that's supposed to be um, our, you know, like breather and like time to relax. But now we're going to have to go back to our book choices to relax because that was very stressful. Um, I think we're going to hear from Virginia next. Yep. And I'm just going to make myself a liar because guess what kind of book I have today for the world? It's going to be a free-for-free memoir day. So we're going to see the pressure is on for Corinne to pick something similar, I guess. Um, Yes, I am not a biography or a memoir reader. So you can imagine the faith and the love that I have with this author's writing that it actually pushes me to go read their memoir that just came out yesterday. So I am talking about a quickie, a Maisie's new book. It is called Dear Santhorin, A Black Spirit Memoir. Amazie is the first author that came to mind when we decided to do a Pride Month episode, and I knew right away that I wanted to highlight this author and their work. Amazie has recently been featured on the cover of Time magazine and chosen as the next generation leader. They call them a storyteller for a changing time, a changing world, which I think is so apt. Their first book, Freshwater, came out actually not that long time ago in 2018. And then they follow with Pets, a young adult novel, which is the first book by Amizi that I read and totally floored by the story and the storytelling. And then last year, they published their third book, The Death of Vivek OG, a book that I think sort of what Fiona was describing in the beginning of this episode about how it is a a devastating look, but also a celebration at the same time of a life of a trans person. And then this year we have the memoir, and then there are already two books slated for publication next year. We have a poetry collection and a romance novel. Yes, two not my genre books, but I'm ready. I'm going to be reading those for sure. So anyway, back to Dear Santhorin, a Black Spirit memoir. Um, This memoir is written as a series of letters, letters to friends, to families, to lovers, to ex-lovers. And letter is such a fitting format because this memoir contains some of those most intimate moments, the most brutally honest omissions, and the rawest of raw emotions that you will ever find on a page. And throughout these moments, we can see that there is a life there that is being put out and diminished over and over again, and the resurrection of that life over and over again to triumph over those moments. Amizi talk about the many surgeries that they did to make them feel right about the body that they inhabited, the support that they got from some, and that disgust and that disappointment that they got from others who think that they are just mutilating their bodies. They talk about their writing career, how they started thinking that You know, to be a writer, they needed to go through a certain route to get published. So they enrolled themselves in an MFA program because that's what you're supposed to do. And you're supposed to go find that group of new writers just like you that are starting up and and to get support. And how they were quickly shunned and ostracized by that group of writers when they got a publishing deal. Suddenly, Amaze was considered too arrogant that how dare that you think 
that you are good enough to be published. Even though they believe in themselves, they know that they are talented, they know that they have done good work, that their writing is good, but they were just constantly being chastised for believing that. And, and that led to so much self-doubt about what they are doing. And Maisie talk about what it's like to be a Black author to get published. Not just that usual systemic racism that is stacked against them, but also the fact that they don't just want to write about the Black experience. And, and that doesn't check the box for the publisher. According to all these white publishing industry, that is not what a Black author is supposed to do. So as a Black queer author, they don't fit. Amaze talk about the many passionate and heartbreaking love affairs that they went through, how they don't understand why, to start with, everybody loves them. Everybody sees them as this novelty that is so exotic and how people fell so in love with them and so in awe of them one day. And then the next people stepped away from them. People felt that, oh, like, no, you're too much. You're too loud. You are not, you're just too much for them. And that everybody just want to put them in a glass cage and, and take them out like a doll to play with every now and then and then shove them back inside. They talk about so many different skins and masks that they have to try to wear to conform to what others expect of them to be presentable, to be acceptable, and how the world expect them to behave, to act, to think, and how that is completely not who they are, but yet they have not figured a way to deal with it yet. And so that led to the many different depression episodes, the many suicidal thoughts and attempts that they went through. And this is a book that documents all of that, but also their what Amaze called their unfolding by allowing themselves to believe who they are to, even though the world wants them to stay folded and binding into this tiny little package, you know, and, and that they are trying to slowly realize who they really are. And that's especially difficult for them because the concept of who they believe they are is only a concept that exists in the Igbo culture and it's not something that exists in the Western culture. So constantly their reality is being told that that doesn't exist, that being denied and being told that they are making this up, that you, know, you need to replace this uncivilized concept of a self. And that finally they realize all that effort, all that energy, all that emotion that they try to reconcile what the world expects of them and what they believe they are. All that is unnecessary. There is no reconciliation and there's no need for reconciliation. They are who they are and they should let the world see that. And they are going to let the world see it. They are no longer interested to present themselves through other people's lens. It's irrelevant what the world thinks. It is not important that the world accepts them or not. I am 
so thankful as a reader to be allowed into this journey of unfolding and this work of courage. And I'm so happy to have read this book, even though I know that you don't need me as a reader, you know, I'm irrelevant, but thank you for letting me into seeing your world. And Maisie says that through their storytelling, they're trying to create a world where the impossible is possible, where what we are told cannot happen, happens. So I highly encourage all of you to pick up one of their work to see this new world that they're trying to create. Thank you so much, Virginia. Thank you for that. <laughs> yes, and that they've also written, uh, she's also written um, Freshwater and Pet, which are ones that are like way up there. I keep meaning to read them. <laughs> oh, and the, and the Death of Vivek Oji as well, right? All right. Um, Kareem, what have you got for us today? Did you decide on something? I have landed on something. Yes. As ever, I leave it down to the wire. I've got two books, many notes in front of me. I'm shuffling them around trying to decide what I wanted to talk about. But I decided to choose one that quite honestly is a bit of a left field pick for me in that it is a book of poetry. Um, yeah. I never thought I'd see the day. <laughs> I also never thought I would see the day, quite honestly. Um, I don't quite... I sometimes I just read through and go through our library holds list and put like random things on hold. And then I had this one at home uh, about a month ago. And I was like, I don't remember why I put this on hold. So I just started reading it. I realized it was poetry, even though it says quite frankly, pretty big on the cover that it's a book of poetry. Um, and I was like, okay. But the first poem grabbed me so much that I actually read through the entire collection in one sitting and was so kind of impressed by this work that I am maybe going to give poetry a try. We'll see. We'll see. But um, the book that I wanted to highlight is Book of Poetry by Jasmine Manns, who is um, primarily a spoken word poet. And this is her second collection of poetry. And it is called Black Girl Call Home. And one of the kind of blurbs that this book has been given is that it is like carrying in your hands a Black woman's heart. And it really is a beautiful, warm, loving, incisive meditation on Black girlhood, on the difference between being a girl, a Black girl and a Black woman the kind of coming of age between that and exploring the space of how a young Black girl can, um, as, as the author puts it, how a young uh, Black girl can show up and be gay and feel safe and be honored. And so this collection of poems kind of ranges over a large amount of subjects going from homophobia, moving over to um, black hair, talking about Kanye West, talking about forced sterilization of black women by medical institutions, talking about falling in love with girls, talking about falling out of love with girls, and kind of just moving through the entire world as a full person. The author, Jasmine Mann, has a wonderful inter interview where she talks about uh, within herself, there are four or five women inside of my body and they are not always agreeing, but they are always in conversation. And so she kind of gives space and, and the microphone over to each of these voices to kind of talk about their experience and talk about their thoughts and feelings about 
about navigating this world that is not set up for them. She attended the University of Wisconsin, but is originally from Newark and kind of talks about that experience of being in a warm community, uh, a Black community, and then moving over to a university where she felt very much an outsider as the campus was primarily white and kind of feeling that outside and, and not feeling that acceptance around her. And so she kind of found her way through through poetry. And yeah, it's 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 so much about that, that girlhood and, and what it means to become a woman and what it means to become a mother. And one of the kind of lines that stuck with me that still kind of like ruminates from one of her poems was tell me who my mother was before she was my mother and about how that transition into different lives kind of like erases your past somehow so she kind of wants to bring out that girlhood that was in each of her mothers and each of those matriarchs and kind of bring that that celebration of that girlhood to their current lives it's uh, again as a not poetry reader I did not expect to kind of enjoy this as, as much as I did, but it was just, it will just grab you. It will just grab you. It's wonderful to, to kind of sit down and just be taken in by um, Jasmine Mann's wonderful, wonderful language. And you can, I, I want to take a look at some of her spoken word poetry because you do find yourself kind of like murmuring the words out loud as you're reading them because it's so, so wonderfully written and, and so powerful that I think it would be so great as a spoken word. So yeah, if you're looking for a little bit memoir-ish um, because she draws for her own experience, but just kind of looking to explore those themes of girlhood, of womanhood, of motherhood, of being a Black queer woman, um, I would absolutely wholeheartedly recommend um, Black Girl Call Home by Jasmine Nam. Thank you so much, Kareem, for that wonderful recommendation. I just put it on hold, so if you're trying to do the same thing, you'll have to wait for me. Um, and I'm just going to go on a little bit of a tangent here of saying I really, uh, it really struck me um, when you're talking about the author, talking about these different women that are all, you know, in her head um, and thinking about, for me, uh, something that I think is really interesting about queer identity is this idea of multiplicity. And going back to Virginia's book, uh, you know, this author who is finding that her identity is not in the North American world. There's not, it's not accepted. It's, it's not there. And I just think, you know, we live in this culture that, that pushes out all of these identities and, and it comes from this colonial history and attitude. And just, I think for thinking of the queer community as a way to, to break that down see other ways of being and other identities and I think that's really beautiful um, and I'm really excited to read, to read those books and, and I don't think on that thought okay so that's my my little sentimental moment um, thank you so much to all of you uh, for talking on this topic I'm just I'm just thrilled to be celebrating pride with all of you uh, and I hope that you all get out there and and read an LGBTQ plus title this month. Does anybody have anything they'd like to add before we say our goodbyes? 
We have lots and lots of great book lists that are put together for Prime Month um, for the rest of the year also, of course. And so, yeah, so tons of those. So you can go on our website and take a look at those book lists. There's lots and lots of selection. As Fiona pointed out, there's just so many different experiences that we can have and try out and walk in different people's shoes and helps us understand how other people think. And, and it always helps to open our eyes to that and not be limited by what we are used to or what we we think that it is how the world works. It's just, yeah, there's so many, so many wonderful books. It's so hard to choose. Like So many great books coming out and that have come out. So, yeah. I feel like we chose the wrong title for our, for our um, podcast. Like it should be like, take a walk in someone else's shoes. Because I feel like we just, we keep coming back to that, you know? <laughs> In a fiction, though. In a, if that's your, yeah, if that's your thing, yeah. And it's my thing, yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, everyone. Happy Pride. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please tell a fellow book lover about it. You can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then, keep it fictional. Thank mm-hmm. you.